We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch here, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Live in studio on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. You've heard of Briscoe Fridays. You may have heard of Briscoe Thursdays. we got a Briscoe Wednesday going on. Not only that, we'll be joined in just a moment, probably in the second segment, potentially by a special guest. By a special guest. How special, Briscoe? Pretty special. Scale of 1 to 10. 8. Nice. Got Dylan Michaels behind the glass. Briscoe going in and out of rooms. Off to a good start today. Now we have Dylan going in and out of rooms. Am I the only one here who's not going in and out of rooms? Yes. This is incredible. What a start. What a start. Unlike Sky Moore and the Chiefs. I'd like to I'd like to change my rating to a nine and a half. Pretty special. I just don't want to make everybody afraid if it doesn't land, you know? The key is to under promise and over deliver. Is this mic on? Sounds on. You look about as prepared as the Chiefs were against the Colts. I'm I'm making magic happen. Is that what Sky Moore was doing in that game? No. Making magic happen? No. No, he was making tragic happen. <laughs> um No, I'm just trying to look. We we had some uh we had some stuff potentially kind of pop up around the show today. That's showbiz, baby. And it's showbiz. And I want to I just trying to make sure that that you know when your big break arrives that you're ready for it. You know, that's really my big break. When that yeah. Like a leg? No, no, no. An no, ankle? No, no. No, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to help. I'm Am I playing to, on the Jets' turf? You know what's important to me, Sterling? Yeah, being a good teammate. I don't know that doesn't seem like me, but believe it or not, it actually sometimes, occasionally, can be. So I'm just trying to be a good teammate, and yeah, that made me be a bad teammate in terms of like I saw you with pre-show face. You know, I saw you like getting ready to start talking as I was walking in the room the first time. Yeah, and I was trying to get your extra pair of headphones set up so we have a. A uh, special guest chair, if if that does um, happen, materialize over the course of the show. And here's the thing: this is showbiz, baby. Not maybe not 100 percent sure who, when, or where, but it's gonna be it's gonna be good if if things land. And tell you what, if it's just you and me here for an hour, it's still gonna be good radio. It's always good. It's always good. It's always good. So it's, I think it's gonna Unlike be a nice Chiefs. show, even though you you are making Briscoe's uh, Briscoe Friday, Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, on Wednesday. The the key is to keep people on their toes. Sure. That that's what we're trying to do here. So Th- this you way, want to make it impossible to plan around positively or negatively. You cannot avoid me. I am inevitable. Well, not just that. The, the the point is now people have to listen for you on this show, and they if they're like, oh, it's Tuesday, no chance. Briscoe's gonna be on. Now you're you're in the back of your head going, well, now I must listen to the home stretch just in case. Today is Wednesday. I just double checked. Yeah, today is Wednesday. Okay, I just I'm saying for on a Tuesday. Second, I thought, but, is there a chance today's Tuesday? It totally could be. My point is, if I just keep switching you around, people will have to listen to me to try and hear you, because they won't know what day it is. Or, alternatively, if they tune in for you, and they, they're just skipping Fridays, because or now Thursdays, because they they're not a huge Josh Briscoe fan, 
I can just spring on you and you never even know it. I'm just all of a sudden, boom, Briscoe in your headphones. You know what was great? What was great? I went to a concert last night. The Colt, they were great. I'll talk about that in a second. But what was funny is, I, I forget how it's, someone was like, oh yeah, I, uh, I listen to 810. Uh, Josh Briscoe's voice, and when you hear that, I the, I was just waiting for it. Like, first off, he didn't know I'm like friends with you. Syrupy. I'm sure he's gonna say it was syrupy. He goes, it just draws you in. Really? Yeah, and that's what he said. Really? He, go, he goes, Josh Briscoe's voice. It just has you know, and I, I was fully expecting him to be yeah. like grating, yeah. loud. Yes, all truer than draw. Look, I if I can be a little mysterious. Then I love that. I, yeah. I'll take that 100%. So this guy goes, yeah, Briscoe's voice just it draws you in. It draws you in. And I was like, yeah, I'm good friends with him. I'll make sure to not tell him that because I don't want him Boom. to get a bigger ego. But I thought it was funny enough. Yeah. I had to at least I appreciate pump that. you up a little bit. I appreciate that from you, from this person that you met. Yeah. Uh, I will I will keep that in mind and, and just try to really, you know, really lean into it. Maybe the rest, maybe from here on out, it's just sort of, hey, you're in the home stretch. I'm not Sterling Holmes, but I'm happy to be here anyway. Am I mysterious? What is my name? I'll never tell. That is not my voice. My speaking voice is not one of the things that I am prepared to receive a compliment on. I have had people tell me before, like, oh, you got a nice radio. It's really what what happens is in real life. When I'll, someone will, I'm just meeting, like, oh, so what do you do? Whatever. Though I, uh, I, sometimes I'll say work in radio or I work work at 810. I do the radio. Like yeah. But they're like, oh, what do you do? Are like, you on air? I was like, oh, yeah. So I, you know, co-host the zone and, and do the Dorothy's post game show. It's a pretty cool job. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, you, you got a good voice for radio. And every time I'm like, are you sure? Every time. <laughs> Have you heard me, ma'am? I don't know if that's right or not. Every time they say that, and I think it's because what else are they going to say? Yeah, great point. It's, it, great they're not going to say, Dude, yeah, you, wow. got a, you got a face for radio. It's not, oh, wow, yeah, your voice is ass. Like, no, they're not going to say that. No, that's a really excellent point, actually. It, for other people's jobs, like, you know, you're an accountant. Oh, you must be good at math. You yeah. must have good. What else are they going to say? You've got great takes. You yeah. seem like you'd have great takes. They don't know. Not, but they yeah, don't know that. They don't yeah. know that. So all they can say is, oh, yeah, I can see. You got the voice. Yeah. I got that one one time. I was uh, hungover in an Uber uh, and uh, that's a different story. The, right the, there. the the Uber driver, because when you're talking, you're kind of you know you're tired, kind of hungover. You're you have the, the low kind of rasp. Yeah, you know? that right there's a different little, story. I was like, oh, that guy, man. that guy might be good at radio. I was out last night until midnight, just two a.m., just getting after it. And and they're like, you should do radio. And I was, did they say that? Yeah. And I was like, wow, well, bad li- news. Little little do you know, this is not what I sound like on air. No, I never want to sound like this again. I so here's the funny. Here's another funny thing. Do you think hungover? Talk radio is just smooth jazz radio. Like everyone who's no. like this smooth jazz radio host are just really hungover, and that's where they all sound just like this. They're and next up we got some cold rain. I think I think it's got to be smoking. I don't think mm. I don't think being hungover is good energy. I, I think you got to better. Yeah, energy but you're mellow. That. You're mellow. I don't know, man. I don't. I really have never had a lot of hangovers, and I've had I've had a, maybe less than five serious hangovers sure. in my life and though but those less than five i remember pretty vividly yeah. i got like three of them that i remember well dylan you got a few back there but dylan's got some dude a stories. guy with that goatee and hair is hung over every single day that ends in day am i wrong I'm trying dylan? to hold this all together with you know scotch tape back here so i appreciate you calling to me right now <laughs> um, scotch, ta- scotch tape because he just drank scotch last night under um, i can't even hear because I don't have my headphones, but this I will is, say that yes, I have been hungover once or twice. That makes <laughs> and, and as your lawyer, I will say 
Good, good statement. Sterling, let the man work. This has to be the least prepared he came as a whole out of this a team. Catapult. And it might yeah. result in the best show. This could on be how things go. And frankly, I always say that the more you prepare for a show, the you, worse it is. The worse it is. Absolutely. Unless you're doing a show by yourself on eight ten, and you have to have like seventeen hours worth of preparation because you could burn through it in you know an hour and a half. The the home stretch has a has a cruise control button. I think sometimes hey, je ne sais quoi. And that right there, that that's when it gets good because you can start focusing on you know the steering, right? Because because the you know you know you're going seventy miles an hour even the whole time. You really can focus on the road. I think that's good. Um, I I don't think I don't think a hangover would be good for radio. But here's here's the thing about like radio voices. So I got COVID like two months ago, right? Had it for a while. Was not a fun time. Whatever. But the next like month, really two months until like a week or so ago. I was flimmy. I had a persistent cough that wouldn't fully go away. Yeah. Today, now this is partially because sometimes on the zone I will go 30 minutes without saying anything, and then my first words back on the show are like, Good boy, Jason! And then I cough yeah, out sure. like a loogie. Um, the worst is when you do that and you're really ready for something, but your yep. voice gets high because yep. you haven't talked, so you, it cracks. It cracks. You, 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 you sound like out some Skip Bayless. You're on there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's rough. But I think that the raspier voice that comes with some of that can be good aesthetically for radio. But right now in my pocket, I have two throat coat cough drops. Do you even know that was the thing that existed? I've had the tea. I have some of that tea in my bag in, in the guy. office Are right you now. Are you sick? No. No. This is the best I have felt in three months. And I am st- I still am carrying these cough drops. I'm trying to keep I'm trying to keep this instrument of mine in tip top shape. Sure. But the problem is I feel like if instead of cough drops, if I had a heater in my pocket, I could come back with a better radio voice. Just smoking darts in here. That's the thing. I, think- I can get some Marlboro Reds. Dylan Dylan definitely smokes Marlboro Reds. He smokes the Cowboy Killers. Look, come on. That hair and goatee screams. Think- I rip cowboy killers. I think with all, with that, I think that goatee would smell like cigarette smoke if he was a smoker. My hair and goatee I, can't represent every human being on the planet. See, you, it can't be. Insert, it's very Kenny Powers. Come on, insert thing here. Check out that hair and goatee. Yeah, that's Sterling's play. Because I don't think like Marlboro Briscoe Reds. wearing jorts. Also, being a Florida man, yeah. also definitely screams parliaments. <laughs> Maybe American spirits. American spirits. That's that's more. Right. That's yeah. It seems more up my alley. I'm mm. not. A, it's not really for me. But you know, there's nothing wrong with a heater every once in a while. See there, and there we go. And now it comes and out. And then I just. And you're, then I, yeah, I tell on myself. Your point about not fully being boiled down to your hair and goatee is a fair one, Dylan. I hope Sterling takes that to heart because you're more than you're more than a great mane and a great goatee. Okay, I, I want. That. I hope Sterling sees that in you. He does. Oh, however, I definitely see it. However. You did overshare there because your point really could have stuck with Sterling because you could have been like a straight edge and never had a drop of nicotine in your bloodstream in your life. Uh, and then you tell the truth, which is true. That's the thing is, I am an honest man. Dude's, an honest dude's man. Ba- well, of course, because the mustache and hair scream honest man. That dude could be back there with a thick old pouch of grizzly, just grizzly wintergreen. Just throw that bad boy in there. Oh, yeah. That's the only kind that... Uh, no, uh, you want to go Longhorn because they sell it in the tub. See... Again, he's more than just a mustache and But I don't hair. dip. Honest to God, I do not dip. I'm just telling you, if you are a dipper, you know that the best value, maybe not the best product, is Longhorn because they give you a full, almost like you're buying worms. A can. Yeah, worms a can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, really? Yep. Can't fit that in the back of your baseball pants, huh? Uh-uh, no. Don't need to, brother. Don't want to sit on it. So I always wanted that when you slide in that back there, I, I couldn't dip 
playing baseball for that one reason. Well, for multiple reasons. Because I want to talk I'd, about yuck. this. Okay, so are you not a dip guy? Because you seem like you might. I, I could absolutely. I, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to get any more information from you until I get to levy a very specific guess. Okay. Okay. Sterling Holmes at like a a PBR bar situation. Sterling Holmes at a country bar on a Friday or Saturday night has definitely been handed a little tin of skull. Crack it on his hand. Crack that bad boy open. Shoot some there in that bottom lip. I have before. It was a while ago. Let me just go ahead and Travis Kelsey touchdown celebration. Zeus sort of fire the arrow. Bang. I've, I, I've occasionally had some uh, some zin. This isn't. Hold on. I want you to know this isn't me being judgy. One of my best friends in college was was a dip guy for a long time. Hope he's not anymore. Just for his own sake. It's not good for him. Oh you. no. no may, maybe once a month tops. But, like but like here's, once every once four months. Maybe once a day max. Once every four hours. I don't. So like I don't brush my teeth, but I just put a little wintergreen dip in there. Oh yeah, you, good flavor. Right that's up. all you need. And that with rumplements, a shot of yeah, rumplements. I mean, your good. your breath is fresh. I just will say, if I'm being honest, at risk of offending people who are into it, seems really gross to me. On yeah. a level that other little vices like that don't seem gross. Like, I know that, like, smoking is not good for you, but, like, that picture of Lynn Dawson is cool. And you just can't I mean, pretend that it's not cool. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. If Dare put that on a shirt, they're doing a bad job. I would start doing more I'd, drugs. I would start doing more drugs, yeah. yeah. I, dare to do drugs. Like, you're, like, daring. Like, you're da- you dare me double to? Double dog dare me yeah, to like, do drugs. Yeah. That, that's that's the d- d- dare, uh, where you get double dog dared to do drugs. I, no, I just... There's some of that where it's like, oh, Mad Men, you know, you see where, oh, it was kind of cool to look like you're smoking. Now, is that a good idea? No, of course not. But you, you get it. The, Back then, also, having, doctors were, were like, telling you to smoke. They're like, yeah. no, this one's better for you. It'll clear out your lungs. We all talk like old-timey radio hosts. The, the idea of just, like, carrying around, like, a water bottle full of brown liquid, like, makes me any arts. Gross. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I don't think I've, I don't think I've Imagine ever, rooming with that. Said human. Oh yeah, you play baseball. Oh yeah, we got. Oh yeah. Oh, Dil- yeah. Dylan knows all about this. Now listen, Dylan. This is because you play baseball, not because of your current hairstyle and face and facial hair. Okay, I just I don't. In fact, I believe you did not have this look when you were playing baseball. Correct? Uh, no, the full beard. But he had not the, the hair. hair. No, he not the hair. No, you did. didn't have the hair. Yeah, no, the that's, surpri- that's the surprising part because the hair would look great in a baseball hat, like like an actual. Yeah, let yeah. it let, let it flow out the back there. That's why I did. Thing. For some reason, I would always get to the awkward stages of the hair going sure. out and quit it. Your boy, your bro, your boy's home there right now. Yeah, that's oh why, me that's too. A big, but big I'm not. I'm better get better get a haircut. Better 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 Hey, better better get a haircut. I just swung like Javier Baez right there and got all air. Better better Baez gonna better get a haircut. The best thing you can buy for people like that, though, I didn't buy it for them, but they bought it. They ended up getting it because they got, they hate it too. They don't like, I mean, there are just water bottles, yay, full of just brown mm. liquid laying around your dorm room. Did you ever accidentally? Splatoon is what it's called. And then, oh, God, no. When you basically, uh, you'd have to be, I don't know how moronic you'd have to be to actually grab one on accident because it's just so obviously no, dips. You can't, you can't use a Coke bottle for it, right? Though, right? No, I mean, but what if you're sleeping? What if you're in the middle of the night? You're tired. No. And there's you got you have one bottle with brown liquid in it. Well, you, you don't. You know, I I keep a water or a glass of water by my bed. Yeah. I don't dip, so it doesn't affect yeah, me. Yeah, it's a glass of water. But what if you dip? I I, I just think it happens. I think it happens. Nah. I mean, I've heard stories of it happening, but I, I think that it's like you 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 it's spit into a diet like a coke can, bottle, yeah, like, yeah, or, or yeah, or, or, like a can or something. See, yeah. even still, that like 
the little leaves will get stuck in the can <laughs> tip, and you'll see it, and it just. Why smells. are we talking about this? How did this even come up? How does any of, of the because of, of the, the face, Dylan's facial hair and hair? That's, that's how and how it happens. I hope that today ends up being the show that we think it might at some point include being because the whiplash just of how weird this show's going to oh, be. Oh, it's going to be, be just fantastic. Or we just do it with him or her. Them. With Them's they. Them's a, good, a good safe neutral term. Yeah. You've, 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 you've spoiled it. Our mystery guest who may or may not be here today, we'll see. We'll see. No pressure either way. Is a male. Sterling has given you that much of a hint. Could it be Patrick Mahomes? Maybe. Could it be President Joe Biden? Possible. Could it be Dylan? Yeah, it sure could be. Is it going to be an impersonation of a could northeastern it, man from Briscoe? Could be as well. Could it be yeah, Steve Spagnuolo? Me doing a Spags <laughs> impression? Is it going to be Spags or Bernie Sanders? Could it be Patrick Mahomes doing a Bernie Sanders impression? That would be something I would actually. There's a degree of difficulty. Say, yeah. You got to get yourself a Patrick Mahomes impression and yourself a Bernie impression. Something about the top 1% of top 1% or whatever. Yeah. yeah, hey, look, good news. I'll let you be the actual host of the show as you are the actual host of the show. I'll just I'll just co-host and drive over here because I'm clearly now the, the less qualified uh, of the guests today. Do we probably should take a break, and that way come sure, back. So that makes let, sense. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back be joined by a special guest on the other side of the home stretch right, here, hey. ESPN Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Still joined on a Briscoe Wednesday, but now special guest, Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Bob, how are you? Guys, I am good, man. It's great to be in studio with you all, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Well, first off, I'm glad that you <laughs> you, you came prepared, bringing a fifth of whiskey in here. Well, he goes, got to hang with Briscoe and Sterling, got to bring right. a fifth. <laughs> yeah, no, I was glad to see Chad. He gave me one hell of a gift, this this straight bourbon whiskey. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not much of a drinker, but I'm sure I got some friends who will indulge. Chad uh, <laughs> goes, hey, okay, if Bob's going in there to talk with him, he's going to need a little help. Yeah. He's going to need a little something. Give you a bottle and a straw, which I thought was weird, but yeah, he, yeah, knew, yeah. he knew you were getting thrown to a shark tank. First off, what do you have going on? I know you have the Thanks a Million Buck. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, the Thanks a Million Buck campaign is something that we launched right after we got back from Buck's Buck O'Neill's induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, his long overdue mm. induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And so the genesis of the Thanks a Million Buck campaign is to see if we can get one million people to donate at least one buck or more in support of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and our efforts to complete the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center, which is going to be housed in the old Paseo YMCA that is the birthplace of the Negro Leagues. That's where the mm. Negro Leagues were formed on February 13, 1920, in mm. that very historic landmark. And we're saving that building. We'll expand our operations to create the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center. And so I don't know if we can get a million people, but we certainly su appreciate the support of 810 and helping us spread the word. We wanted to create a campaign, fellas, that everyone could conceivably 
participate. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and, and so the question is, can we get the message out there wide enough, and can we mobilize enough people to consider making that dollar donation or more? And if you're interested, please visit thanksamillionbuck.com to make your contribution. Just right there online. Right there online. We try to make it as easy as we possibly can. And if you want to do the traditional route and write a check, sure. Yeah, you can do that too. <laughs> hey, Briscoe, uh, yeah. you got my dollar? Yeah, you got my yeah, dollar. I'll cover you. I'm not gonna write a paper check for one dollar and zero cents. I'll Venmo you, but yeah, you do Venmo. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Hey, Briscoe, I'll Venmo you. That you, you get good. you get that my dollar. Good. I'll write a paper check. I got Dylan too. We got Dylan, three bucks from the got, studio. You got us. I got Dylan. Oh, look at us. See, we're generous people back yeah. here. That's what we do. I think if you're gonna go paper check, go ahead and spend more than a dollar to support all that, right? Paper check, maybe, maybe up it. But yeah, thanksmillionbuck.com. Uh, so cool that that's what you're doing, you know, with with the campaign to continue to educate, to continue to preserve not just Buck O'Neill's legacy, which is obviously something we've talked about so much over the last couple of months, really, but for for the Negro Leagues altogether. Like, what what does it mean to you to to be able to, to take that historic building, that space, and try yeah. to turn it into something special. It gives you chills. Yeah. It really does, guys. You know, as a steward of the story, obviously it resonates with me how important that landmark is. I, I, I make the case that the Purcell YMCA is the most significant Negro Leagues artifact in existence. Hmm. Now, a lot of times people don't look at those old buildings as being artifacts, but that is exactly where it, what it is. That is the place in which they met to sign the documents that started this league that we're now preserving the history of some 102 years later. And, and so to be able to save that landmark, go right back full circle into the very building that gave birth to the story that we're now charged with preserving, that is a tremendous undertaking. And we're very fortunate that this building had not been destroyed because a lot of times the old buildings get torn down. And to be honest, it would have been cheaper for us to tear this one down yeah. than it would be to try and save it, but we needed to save this building. Mm. And before Buck O'Neill passed away in 2006, the same year that he missed by one vote getting into the National mm. Baseball Hall of Fame, he was more excited about the, the opportunity to create this education and research center that would bear his name than he was about the disappointment of not getting into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. But here we are 16 years later, and it finally happens. Yeah. When it comes to the National Baseball Hall of Fame, I have a lot of issues with it. There are so, <laughs> many, so many reasons. I'm a massive baseball fan. I love the history of baseball. I understand the fact. And I, I'm even on, you know, I'm, I'm fair saying if you never want to have a 100% voter or player get in, I was okay with that. Having a reliever be the first one I thought was a little interesting in, in Rivera. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I always get irritated when guys who you know are going to eventually make it to the Hall of Fame, and then they wait until, in the example of Buck O'Neill, who passed away, yeah. so he doesn't get to experience that feeling. That just irritates me because you know you knew Buck O'Neill was going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah. We all knew it was going to happen. Do you have a lot of irritation? I don't want to say resentment, but do you yeah. have any irritation when it comes to Baseball Hall of Fame waiting until after Buck O'Neill past to eventually get him in it's funny that you say that because i went up to the national baseball hall of fame in june to deliver the keynote address for the hall of fame symposium cooperstown symposium and and i played a round of golf with josh rawich who is the hall of fame president and he asked me he said bob when was the last time you were in cooperstown and i had to think about it it was 2008 when they erected the statue of buck 
and created the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award. And he looked at me and he said, you were never coming back, were you? Mm. And, and I had to think about it because I think he was right. Yeah. I had no intentions on ever going back. And I'll be the first to admit, y'all, that that's not Buck O'Neill-like at all. Mm. That is not Buck-like <laughs> at all. I am a work in progress. I'm trying to be Buck-like. But I think I had sworn off the Hall of Fame after that debacle took place in 2006 and Buck O'Neill passed away. And if we're being perfectly honest, even on my journey out to Cooperstown this year, I was still feeling a little salty yeah. because of what you mentioned. We missed that opportunity for him to be there. But, and really, is, I liken it to mourning a loved one mm-hmm. who has passed away. We're not really mourning for that person. We're mourning for ourselves because now I don't get the chance to celebrate with my friend. Yeah. I don't get to hug and high five. Those are the things that we wanted to do. And we didn't get that opportunity because it's 16 years later. And Buck O'Neill, as you both know, passed away in October of 2006. And so once I got to Cooperstown and I met my good friend Joe Posnanski, we met in Albany, New York, and we drove over together. And the two of us, I think, were still feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. And the closer we got to Cooperstown, the longer we got to talk on that ride over, the more we realized that we were not embodying the spirit of Buck (laughs) O'Neill. And once we got to, to town and we started to walk the streets there in Cooperstown, my, my entire disposition changed. I think the spirit of Buck was resonating there everywhere we turned, man. There were people just wanting to come up. They wanted to hug, and they wanted to tell Buck O'Neill stories. They wanted me to tell Buck O'Neill stories, and everything started to change. And I realized that this was a -a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and I needed to fully embrace it. Mm. And and that's what I tried to do. And I look at this now, 16 years later, and it's the perfect time for Buck to go into the Hall of Fame because Buck O'Neill is as relevant today as he was 16 years ago when he passed away. And this Hall of Fame induction comes at the time when the museum is on the verge of expansion. Mm -hmm. And here he is front and center behind this effort to grow what I call the house that Buck built. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that speech in 2006 was indeed his Hall of Fame speech, even though he was speaking on behalf of 17 others, all of them dead. They didn't have a voice in one of the most selfless acts in American sports history, but just perhaps it was indeed his Hall of Fame speech. He was foreshadowing for what was still to come. That is incredible. When Chad walked around earlier, he was like, hey, Bob Kendrick's going to be here. Do you guys want him? I was like, I'm not hosting the show down here. This is Sterling's show, but yeah, I, I do. I, and, I, <laughs> and then he asked me, and I, I, I went yes as quick as possible. It was the quickest yes. Like, I don't I don't know, Bob. Like, why I mean, are you asking, Chad? Like, of yeah, course. I just, I, I, I remember right around, we had you on the zone really shortly around all that. And, you know, we, we caught you somewhere between 47 different flights. And I, I was listening to the podcast back then with, with Joe and Mike Schur talking about yes, his experience yes. at Cooperstown and everything. And I, I am just, every time we see you on TV talking or hear you somewhere, we have you on any of the shows around here, like every time I, I am struck by partially the stories you have to tell and the connections that you have, because you've, You've downloaded and, as far as I can tell, retained 
so many stories from so many people who got so many stories from so many others. Yeah. There's so much information and, and so many great, not just the information, but, but truly stories of who people are have made it to you. And then you, you just have a real joy about the way you then tell them back. Have you always been like that? Like, where does that come from where where you are you are a storyteller and you have a, just an unbelievable archive to pull from? Like, I'm just I'm here just telling you how great you are, I guess. Right. <laughs> but, I, I, but, I appreciate it. But, but does, have, were you were you telling stories as a kid? No. Did you did, was this was well, this forced upon you at some point? Well, you embraced according, it? according to my mother, the late Clara Pearl, I was telling stories, but that's usually because <laughs> that's usually because I had gotten in some trouble <laughs> and I'm trying to talk my way out of now it. Now you're telling non-fiction. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, I think maybe a bit of it was osmosis. Being around the greatest storyteller of all time. Yeah. And man, guys, I was like a sponge. Yeah. You know, to be there in the presence of Buck O'Neill, and I tell people this all the time, and I mean it sincerely, I know the story. I can walk people through and tell those stories. Buck O'Neill lived those stories. Mm. And so when he walked you through, it was even more special. But being around Buck, and the thing that I always marveled at Buck, and I try to channel that when I take people on a tour of the museum or whenever there's an opportunity to talk about the history of the Negro Leagues, I don't care how many times he had told a story. If he was telling it to you, he was going to tell it like it was the first time he ever told that story. And that stuck with me. And so when I go through the museum and I get the, the joy, and it is, it's absolutely joy for me to walk people through that museum and see their reactions to how we've tried to present this story I want them to feel it. Yeah. And so when I usually am done taking a tour, I'm exhausted. And someone told me once, they said, it is very reminiscent or very close to a minister mm. after he has given or she have given their sermon. You know, they pour everything into it. And then afterwards, you're just exhausted. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think there are days when I feel that way because I really want people to feel what we have, and I want them to feel a level of affinity and attachment to what we have done there at Historic 18th Divine and continue to do with this story of the museum. As you both know, it's our birthday. Yeah. We turn 32 today. There we go. Yeah, the happy 32nd birthday to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Absolutely. That's incredible. That yeah. is awesome. When you're giving these tours, do you have a certain part that stands out? Do you have a favorite part of part? You're like, Man, I don't have to do this part again. I gotta, get, I gotta get some energy for this one. <laughs> like, you, you have a favorite part of part that you're like, oh come on, I gotta, gotta tell this long story. <laughs> you know what I try to do? I try to mix it up. You know, I, I have enough of these stories that I can relate back and that I can kind of mix it up just to kind of keep it fresh for myself. Uh, but you know, just to see people's reactions and the awe that they experience learning a piece of history that otherwise they would not have learned about. This is not in the pages of American history books. Mm. And, and so I get a great amount of joy from just sharing these stories and seeing their reaction. You get that energy. Yeah. You know, when you get that feedback from folks, I guess it's like a comedian when they get that energy from the crowd or any entertainer, when they feel that energy from the crowd, it just kind of gets you going. and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the stories are still plentiful. Mm. You know, I can do those tours and not tell the same story on any day necessarily. And, you know, and there are certain pieces that are more special to me because they tie back to 
some point in time in my life, specifically a, uh, as I describe it, a nondescript photograph of a young Hank Aaron standing at the train station in Mobile, Alabama. 18 years old, he couldn't weigh more than 160 pounds, soaking wet, and he's about to get on the train there in Mobile, Alabama, to go join the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro Leagues. At that time, guys, he was a skinny, cross-handed hitting infielder. Yeah. So Mr. Aaron was a right-hand hitter who was hitting with his left hand mm. on top. Now, that is unorthodox. Yes, sure is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, the fear <laughs> is that you break your wrist hitting in that yeah. manner. Henry Aaron is knocking the cover <laughs> off the baseball in a highly unorthodox fashion. Well, when he gets to the clowns, they put the right hand on top reluctantly because they didn't want to tinker with this kid's swing. <laughs> they put the right hand on top, and the rest, as we say, is history. But I had the opportunity to walk Mr. Aaron through the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. 1999, he's my childhood idol, my all-time favorite baseball player, and the only person that I've ever been starstruck by. Now, we've had American presidents. Mm -hmm. We've had first ladies of these United States, including the incredible Michelle Obama, General Colin Powell, a plethora of athletes and entertainers. And as I always say, with no disrespect to any of them, they are not Henry Aaron <laughs> in the eyes, mind, and heart of this kid from Crawfordville, Georgia. Absolutely. Do you right. tell him that? Do you, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you, you tell him that? Mrs. Hey. First Lady. Yes. Awesome. You're Mrs. great. Obama. You're, You're cool. great, but. You're cool, but. You come on, man. Here. No. But how many home runs have you hit? <laughs> <laughs> the Secret Service people walk in. <laughs> Bob's like, oh, Hank Aaron must be here. <laughs> <laughs> And to see that picture and to know how great he would become. Yeah. But had I told you there would be this skinny kid from Mobile, Alabama, black kid that would hit 755 home runs, most folks would have said, no way. And that's kind of how they see these heroes of the Negro Leagues. Mm. Well, they're unsung heroes of the Negro Leagues. And if I told you a 17-year-old from... Birmingham, Alabama, would be a, a patrol center field for the Birmingham Black Barons, but then go on to become arguably the greatest all-around baseball player to ever play this game in a legendary Willie Mays. Who would have believed me? Yeah. Yeah. And to think, though, that there may have been guys better than Willie Mays and Henry Aaron who never got the opportunity to play in what was then deemed Major League Baseball. It's scary to think, mm -hmm. but when you listen to Buck O'Neill and others talk about the likes of Oscar Charleston, mm -hmm. uh, Josh Gibson, Martin mm -hmm. DeHigo, there were some players who were every bit as good, if not better, who never got that opportunity. And the thing that I remind our guest is, as fans, we were cheated. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we were cheated, man. We should have seen all the best players take the field competing with and against each other. And we were denied that opportunity because of Jim Crow, because of segregation, because of how backwards our country was at that time. But what you have to love about our story, and I think this is something that resonates with every person, man, I don't care what color your skin might be, you come out of there cheering the power of the human spirit because they refused to accept the notion that they were unfit mm. to play our national pastime. So I'll show you. You won't let me play with you? I'll create a league of my own. And what an incredible league it was. That is just outstanding.
Bob Kendrick joining us right here on ESPN Kansas City. Of all the people you've had a chance to take through, I believe every single team. Have, uh, I, I, by now, all the teams have all been the teams, there at some point in time. The majority of the living presidents, <laughs> all the living presidents. <laughs> we're real close to it. You know, we, had, we were fortunate to have George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and we still hope to get President Obama there at some point in time, former President Obama. And so we've been very first fortunate. lady came. Michelle the first about- lady came. We gave her a jersey, and she said, "I am not giving this to Barack. <laughs> <laughs> he can come get his own. Yeah, he can come, come get, get his, his own." own. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite person you ever took through? Whether non, it's a celebrity, Henry Aaron, not not Henry Aaron, not Henry Aaron. But was there anyone that that you you, you felt like this really resonated with? Well, you know, it resonates with all of them. It really does. I don't care what walk of life they are from, walking General Colin Powell mm. through because he was the general. Yeah. And, and there was this air of regalness about him. And until we get to a photograph that's on display there at the museum, and it's a photograph of Louis Armstrong Satchmo, the great trumpeter, whose first love was baseball. Yeah, he wanted to be a baseball player. Hmm. He just that. happened to be a better trumpeter. <laughs> and so he chose the right pathway. <laughs> but he had he had a semi-pro team called the Armstrong Secret Nine. And when General Powell saw that photograph of, of Louis and his, his semi-pro team, he was reduced to a kid again. Huh. That air regalness kind of dissipated because his father had played. Louis Armstrong semi-pro team. Oh my! That God. was one of those special moments, you know, because again, he's the general, and 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 that you could feel that air of distinct distinction and how distinguished he was, and then he gets to that picture, and now he's reduced to a kid, yeah. and he just spoke so glowingly about the fact that his father had played for Louis Armstrong semi-pro team. That's one of those moments that kind of give you chills. You know, being in the presence of someone, the magnitude of the late great General Colin Powell, walking Ricky Henderson through mm, the museum. Wow. Also ranks up there at the top because Ricky has this reputation. And part of it is he created it that Ricky's favorite person is Ricky. <laughs> I just said, did he talk in third person at all? <laughs> or first person. <laughs> and, and Ricky is arguably the greatest leadoff hitter this sport has ever seen. Mm-hmm. I can't think. People say, well, who in the Negro Leagues compares to Ricky Henderson? No one. Mm-hmm. No one. Ricky Henderson is in a class by himself. And But when you walk into that museum, it humbles you. Yeah, it humbles you. And this was his first visit to the museum a few years ago when we inducted him into what we call the Hall of Games. And he and his wife were part of the delegation that was walking through the museum with me that Saturday morning. And you could see how emotional an experience it was for him. I saw the same thing walking Barry Bonds through Mm -hmm. this museum. And for the African-American and Hispanic athlete in particular, if you don't feel that place, then you have very little sense of self. Uh-huh. And it was emotional for both of those legendary ball players. And Ricky 
he was just absolutely blown away. And then, you know, you're kind of in disbelief that I've not been here up until that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. So those moments were really very special for me. And, and they're just, you know, they're just several of many special moments. Let's switch to Barry Bonds for a second. I want to hear your thoughts just in general when it comes to the Hall of Fame. We've mentioned Hall of Fame a little earlier in this. Does he deserve to be in? Because I, I, I'm very staunch. When I was younger, I said, no, you take steroids, you cheated. The older I've gotten, I think it's a, a more nuanced equation. Mm-hmm. One, he never got caught, right? That, and the big thing was, the reason why he never got caught was because they were semi-promoting steroids because no one was complaining when McGuire and Sammy Sosa was hitting all those home well, runs. They, they talk about how Roof saved baseball, you know, after the Black Sox death. Yeah. And, and, and he did. Yeah. McGuire and Sosa saved baseball as well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They saved baseball. Fans had become sullen on our sport right after that strike. And, and, and McGuire and Sosa brought them back. And, uh, again, whether you love Barry or hate Barry, Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players to ever play this game. Yeah. And uh, I think he is absolutely a Hall of Fame. Buck O'Neill believed Barry Bonds was one of the greatest hitters this sport has ever seen, even before we knew anything about steroids. And I'll never forget, we, I can't remember where we were, but a reporter who was trying to get Buck to say something disparaging about Barry and Roger. <laughs> he loved both Barry and Roger. Uh, he, he just loved them. And he was never going to say anything disparaging about anyone. And so the reporter says, Mr. O'Neill, what do you think about steroids? And Buck looks at him. He says, son, the only reason we didn't use steroids <laughs> We didn't have steroids. (laughs) (laughs) And and what he was alluding to is I can't be so high and mighty and tell you what I would or wouldn't do when I'm not in those circumstances, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that once you do it and you know it's illegal, well, he always talked about how baseball is like life. You've got to play by the rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to play by the rules, but here's what – Where I have a problem. We don't know who did and we don't know who didn't. Mm -hmm. We don't. I can say with a level of assurity, there are some folks in the Hall of Fame who use steroids. Sure. Yeah. And and you can do that with very little margin of error just because it was so rampant at that time. And and so you don't know who did and who didn't. So, yeah, do I believe Barry Bonds should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, it, it's almost as if he is being punished. Roger's being punished. Sure. You know, uh, as for some reason, those guys have been signaled out uh, as the face of steroids, and that's just wrong to me. It's unfair to both of them. But that's just one man's opinion. Well, Dylan's telling me we got to take a, a quick break right here. What one one quick break? He's giving me a little a little, little finger sign. <laughs> it's the last L- break, little yeah, finger sign. Just so take the him. last segment has some. We got to so talk to Bob longer in the last okay. segment. Are you going to stick with us? That, I'm good. That's not like right. signing Bob up for one okay. more segment, which, hey, yeah, th- for me. Thank you, Dylan, for, for signing Bob up. So I didn't have to ask the awkward <laughs> question if he's staying or not. Take a quick break. We'll come right back with Bob Kendrick right here, Homestretch ESPN Kansas City. we do the wave all by 
himself, hey, off a blind man could have made that call. Welcome back to the Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City, Briscoe, still joining us on a Briscoe Friday on a Wednesday, as well as Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Again, go to thanksamillionbuck.org. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. You got a computer, Sterling. I do, but I, I didn't type in the, I have the thanks a million buck. I didn't type in the dot. Well, you need to tell people the dot com part. The dot com, or else yeah. they're going to go. Yeah, and, and and we hope by Buck's birthday, which would be which would have been his 111th birthday, November 13th, that we actually could reach that million dollar plateau. Now I know it's ambitious, sure, because we do. That means we've got to galvanize a whole lot of people, you know, that would consider making that dollar donation or more to uh, join us. But we're Kansas City, we're mm-hmm. Kansas City, and, and Buck loved Kansas City, and Kansas City loved him back, and the love that we still feel for his, for him. You know, it's just absolutely amazing. And, and so whatever we raised, though, well, as my mother would say, that's more than what you had. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. It really is. And I do want to point out, too, we saw the mayor of the state of New York yesterday come out and mayor say. Mayor of the city of, of the New city York because the state would have a governor. Yeah, whole what, reason, whatever it was, come out and say, you know, New York has a brand. A brand. Does Kansas, and I'm going to take it a step to say Kansas City. Yeah. Kansas City has a brand. It's backing each other, coming together. Yeah, and also I, not having the most embarrassing mayor in the country. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Barbecue? I'm not, I, I'm not sure what the mayor was thinking about, but he just he, he just seemed to continue to dig himself a little deeper. I know. A little I'm just, deeper. Like, okay, mayor, you know, let, let it go now. I'm not done. We're going to keep it. <laughs> let it go. No, no, we'll put Kansas City up against any city. Uh, I think people are just so surprised about the – degree of culture and heritage that is a part of this great city. It's, uh, as Buck would say, when he came to join the Kansas City Monarchs in 1938, he said, I knew I was coming to the heart of America. Then when he got to Historic 18 Divine, he said, I never knew I was coming to the center of the universe. (laughs) 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 Now, so Kansas City doesn't take a back seat to any city. And, you know, those were fighting words, Mayor. Yeah. Yeah, those were fighting words. We invite you to come on out here to the heartland and experience what er- everything that is so great about our great city. A hundred percent. And by the way, I love the fact that Kansas City has bought in to the KC logo. Yeah. As far as, you know, it's always L.A., NYC. But if you walk around other cities wearing a KC hat, yeah. they automatically think Kansas City. That was a great job of branding in general. I always, I always go back to that because I lived in Philly for three years. So... You know, I, I from the Midwest, move out, live in a big city for three years. You used to go up to New York a lot. But you work Kansas City stuff, you know, KC stuff. They know exactly what that is. Yeah, and, and for us, we, we take great pride because it really resonates and emanates from the spirit of the great Kansas City Monarchs. You know, that insignia and everything about it is it, all Kansas City Monarchs. And, and so to see that brand become so centralized and something that people have rallied around that kind of unites us, mm. particularly the heart KC. Yeah. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. And, and so now we, we've got a brand, we've got an identity, and, and we will stand up against any city in the country. I'll take, I'll take mm. our little city, Kansas City, <laughs> against any of them, including <laughs> New York. Hey, I'll take Gates over any barbecue out there. <laughs> I, I went out there to Philly one time. I, I, I go... They're like, no, we do good barbecue here. I go, all right, do you now? I go, kind of get some burn-ins. They go, what? They go, what are burn-ins? <laughs> I go, I'm in the wrong place. 
and, and the thing about it, every place that Buck and I would go in those cities, they always wanted to take us to eat barbecue. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why? Yeah, why give us why? something else. Give a- <laughs> I, I'm in Seattle. Why would you take me to try to eat barbecue? Take me to eat fish. Yeah. Take me to- <laughs> you would not take an Italian to Fazoli? <laughs> Don't take me to Olive Garden? What are you doing? Uh, that is bold. Unbelievable. Uh. By the way, I found out Bob, Kendrick, and my dad actually golfed a decent amount. I hope you guys won. Did you at least win that? We we didn't win that last tournament we were in, but uh, we, we were very competitive. We played well. Uh, the other teams played a little bit better than we did, but we were right there in the hunt. We've won our fair share of tournaments, though. There we go. a really good golfer. <laughs> yeah, he's I think a it's good probably golfer. you. Yeah, you no, got to be you carrying know, him. I chip in a little bit. <laughs> Before you came on, we were talking a little bit. I went to a concert last night, saw a fun band, The Colt. Do you have a favorite venue, favorite concert you've ever been to? Great question. You know, we've been very fortunate because we've had some amazing concerts that the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum yeah. has put on. You know, we put on each year the Heart of America Hot Dog Festival, and we've had some amazing acts. At that hot dog festival, typically old school soul. Oh, I love that. Uh, smooth jazz. You get Charlie Wilson down there. You'll, I'll be the oh, first man. guy. I'll I be waiting what, in line. Yeah, I tell you what, he's on. He's on that wish list for a, a future hot dog festival. But now we've been very fortunate. You know, uh, ranging from just recently War, mm-hmm. we've had Average White Band. Yeah. Yeah. Now and we've had you know great artists like Jeffrey Osborne mm-hmm. and some others who have performed, and so we've been very fortunate to have some great entertainment associated with our museum, but baseball and entertainment went hand in hand, so it's only natural that we would do these kinds of things, and so, yeah, now we're a lot of great acts. That's awesome. Did you have a favorite one you've seen? You, you, you got you to pick one now. any go, Earth, go. Fire concert Ooh. will always be up there at the top for me as my favorite. I, I grew up a, a huge Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. I missed their most recent concert at Starlight this year, but I, I heard it was outstanding. Mm. And, and I'm still partisan to live musicianship, you know. So Same, when you've yeah. got you've got a brass section, you know, you you that that it doesn't <laughs> get much better than that. Uh-uh. When you got these horns. Uh, one day I hope to get to see a Bruno Mars concert because I think that is mm. as close to what I've been accustomed to seeing. You know, in concert, but Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think, was ranked right at the top of that list for me. Mr. Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Thank you so much. It was great. Every time you come on, fantastic. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, y'all, for supporting the Thanks a Million Buck campaign. We really appreciate it. Thanksamillionbuck.com. .com. <laughs> Briscoe, thank you for coming on. This is the best show we've ever done together, Sterling. Oh, hands down. <laughs> and you know why? We talked the least. Yes. That's why it was Direct the best. correlation. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow, 3 to 4 p.m. ESPN Kansas City. Right here. We are out.